2018, solar broke the 100 gigawatt threshold of annual installations. In the same year, solar also reached a major milestone of 0.5 terawatt of total capacity installed globally. Welcome everybody to a new FSR podcast. My name is Valerie Reif. I'm research associate at the Florence School of Regulation. And today we have the pleasure to talk to Walburger Hemmetsberger, who is the CEO of Solar Power Europe. Good afternoon, Walburger, and welcome to FSR. Hello, Valerie, and hello, everybody. <laughs> the numbers I just presented um, are taken from the new global market outlook for solar power that was published by your organization, Solar Power Europe, together with a couple of partners, I think, uh, this year. And as a first question, I would like to ask you if you could tell us a bit more about the main findings of this report and also about the latest technological developments that are happening in solar. Sure. So overall, uh, we see a very positive future for solar. Our five-year global solar market outlook forecasts 800 gigawatt additions uh, to 1.3 terawatt total installed capacity by 2023, and that's very impressive. Now, when you ask me about the latest technologies, um, there's a couple of them which I would just like to, to mention, starting with uh, building integrated photovoltaic. Um, that's uh, one of the leading innovations. It's uh, so-called solar skins. That's a solutions that can can help decarbonize buildings. Uh, some examples are roof tiles, windows, uh, or facades, which all have uh, cells which can produce electricity. These uh, products offer architects and developers a range of uh, aesthetically pleasing uh, possibilities. And in the end, what you get is two for one. So you get sustainable construction materials and clean energy. So that's the first uh, innovation and the first uh, technological development I, I would like to mention. And then uh, there's another trend, which is digitalization and storage. There are new digital technologies such as big data analytics or Internet of Things, blockchain. Uh, and that combined with uh, very rapidly falling costs of storage, uh, which creates fantastically new business models. And uh, to end with uh, two other or three other technologies, I, I cannot stop actually, there's so many. It's <laughs> <laughs> also very interesting to hear. <laughs> so, uh, solar, so another one is solar and e-mobility. Uh, they are a real perfect match because you can charge with solar at home, at your office or at car parks. And that's uh, fantastic because you can shave the generation peaks during the day. Uh, with your charging of your e-mobility, uh, of, of your e-vehicle. Then uh, I also have to mention uh, floating solar. That's fantastic. We uh, see more and more floating solar projects. It's super smart because you can put it on uh, all kinds of water reservoir and it has two positive effects. Uh, one positive effect on the yield because it brings more yield as it's cooled. And uh, the panels can at the same time protect the surface of the water. So protect it from air pollutants, uh, but also from evaporation. 
And, uh, and we see more and more of these floating solar projects in Europe. Uh, and we really do see that there's a huge surge uh, in this technology. And last, and then I really stop uh, back on land, uh, is AgriPV, uh, which is also emerging. Um, AgriPV is also something which uh, very nicely brings together both agriculture and uh, electricity production. So we are not competing on the available space, but you can combine them and uh, you can make sure that agriculture um, is not uh, negatively impacted. Uh, and you have uh, a couple of positive effects also from solar panels, for example, shading, uh, you have better yields, um, or uh, you have uh, you can contain the water in the soil, and it brings nice additional revenues for farmers. So that was a, a quick run through the um, through trends in new technologies, mm -hmm. and uh, there's a lot to come. So stay tuned on the on the trends we have in solar. <laughs> We will definitely, because as you said, and as we heard from all these uh, developments that you mentioned, solar really is booming in various ways globally, but also in Europe. And um, I was not aware of some of the buzzwords you just mentioned. So there's a lot. There is solar skins, there is agri-PV, there is a lot more and yet more to come. Uh, so we talked a lot about the technology, technological developments, but actually this uptake of uh, solar and other renewables, it also has very significant implications on markets and also on how the electricity system is being operated. So both uh, need to be fit for renewables. And I was wondering, without going too much into detail yet, um, whether you think Europe is on the right track also in setting this framework uh, for renewables to be integrated? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that uh, the clean energy package, which has just been uh, uh, agreed, is a great achievement in this regard. As you know, it sets uh, a 32% re renewable goal and uh, it also modernizes the market rules, which are applicable to all electricity forms, but to renewables and, and solar in particular. Um, and it takes stock of the maturity, actually, of, uh, of, the, of the renewables technologies. And it clarifies a lot of aspects which have been unclear so far when it comes to, to markets. So that's really um, a very positive evolution. And we, uh, we very much welcome the rules of the clean energy package in this regard. Mm -hmm. So maybe going a bit more into detail about the market design that you also just mentioned, um, there is a lot of provisions in the in the clean energy package, especially for renewables, for example, phase out of priority dispatch or a curtailment of renewables even, but there are also new rules for support and tendering schemes for renewables. So maybe you can tell us a bit more about this framework and combine it with a different question that I have, which would be if you see an uptake of uh, solar projects or renewables projects in the future also uh, enabled by this new framework. Mm -hmm. So maybe starting with uh, the support and tendering schemes. So from our perspective, the most important element here was that uh, retroactive measures have been prohibited. So member states cannot retroactively change uh, support schemes, which is very important. Um, we also have a provision stating that member states will also have to publish a plan with their support schemes on the next five years 
including tenders, and that is really key to support investments uh, by strengthening investors' predictability and and thereby lowering the costs of capital. So that has been uh, very important. Uh, the two the two other issues you mentioned. Um, which are the new rules on redispatch and curtailment. Um, they are important because they ensure a fair remuneration for curtailed electricity, and that will encourage system operators to limit uh, curtailment. So all solar producers will be compensated for their curtailed electricity, uh, and uh, and that is very uh, that is a great achievement. Now, the last uh, question on priority dispatch. Um, the phase-out of priority dispatch from our, perspectives, uh, from our perspective is an evolution which naturally follows the maturity of our technologies and uh, which should also stimulate the market integration of renewables. However... <laughs> we we should also take uh, talk about uh, the fact that priority dispatch is uh, maintained for renewables below 400 kilowatt, and uh, we think that's very sensible, because that's where markets are not ready yet very often. For example, if there's no aggregator that can market the electricity of small producers, and and that's why it's key to keep uh, the priority dispatch here. It will ensure that small producers do not bear disproportionate market obligations. And we really think that it will stimulate the market for decentralized solar and self-consumption. And, and that brings me actually to your last question, whether, uh, res, whether there's an uptake in, in REST projects. I mean, obviously, the clean energy package still has to be implemented. Yes. Um, but we really do think that when it comes to uh, self-consumption to prosumers, uh, in particular, these rules will help uh, the market uptake and uh, will help also new business models to to develop. Mm -hmm. If we wrap up the section, maybe you can give us a sense of what you think that such new rules um, would have to involve. So if you were to give the new parliament that just formed um, a a list of three wishes that you would have for solar or for renewables in general um, for the next couple of years, what would you tell them? What, you, what would you want? So, my wish list. <laughs> so, my first wish would be to have a proper industrial strategy for solar. So, we really do think that this is a very, very important point. Um, there are several solar st stakeholders, such as European researchers, production equipment suppliers, raw uh, and processing material companies, inverter manufacturers and others. Uh, they are world leaders in their fields. And we need to have an industrial strategy to make sure that Europe continues to lead on solar and uh, becomes uh, a real champion in solar manufacturing. Uh, my second wish is, and we're campaigning around that at the moment, um, to have solar installed on all new and all renovated buildings in the EU. It's just incredible that 90% of uh, the roofs are going unused. Uh, at the same time, they could help mitigate the climate change 
uh, if they would have solar installed. So installing solar on all new buildings uh, and those which are undergo major renovations from our perspective makes perfect sense to reduce CO2 emissions and there's a huge potential as well. Uh, we could produce some 680 terawatt hours of solar annually. That's uh, three times the size of, of Luxembourg which would be available. So that's really something, a potential which should be harnessed. And my last wish is that we go carbon neutral well before 2050 just because it's necessary. Um, I have one last question. You were head of the Brussels office of Verbund, which is the largest Austrian utility, and they produce almost 100% of their electricity in hydropower plants. Um, now you work for Solar Power Europe, and I was wondering from your personal experience, what are, what are the differences in uh, working in a long-lasting traditional industry such as hydro compared to what you might call a very trendy uh, new environment of the solar industry. Um, I, th I I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say that that uh, I wouldn't start with differences. Actually, there's a lot of things you know these two technologies have in common. Uh, I mean, they're both renewable technologies, um, and um, and obviously, I mean, they are different. It's it's different technologies. Uh, Hydropower has been around for much longer uh, than solar. I think that uh, the beauty of these different renewable technologies is that they are complementary. So they complement each other. Mm -hmm. um, and in the end, when we want to go to a 100% renewable world, Uh, we need all of them complementing each other in hybrid uh, systems, um, And uh, I think it's just uh, wonderful that we have different renewable technologies. That, that those will also help us in reaching the climate targets and in reaching the three wishes you you uh, <laughs> expressed before. Absolutely. So I think that was it for today. Uh, we would like to thank you very much for taking the time and for this interesting conversation. And we hope to see you soon again in Florence. I'm very happy to come to Florence again. Thanks, Valerie. <laughs>